Hello and welcome to the True Blue LA podcast. The regular season is underway and we're we're here to talk about it. How are you doing, Eric? We're this is an in-season podcast. It's been it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So pretty uh like happy there's real baseball, but also like oh yeah, like I mean spring was part of this, but like oh yeah, baseball is an everyday thing now and then <laughs> just basically like under underground for six months yeah and and, and a really the first four games and we'll get into this a really big reminder of that because of that everyday nature of baseball sometimes there's a slump kind of things yeah people people generally handle slumps very measured online <laughs> and it's, it's never bad so like yeah it was it was it was a fun couple days but yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll break that down. We have Dodgers Rewind. We have questions from Craig after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Eric, would you say it's time for everyone to panic? Yes. <laughs> so this, not only is it just, you know, small sample size, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera but like three of the games were going to be overreacting to or people who are, are want to overreact to were at Coors Field. Right. Well, yeah, that's there's always the expectation you go into Coors Field like, well, time to pad those numbers, you know. Well, it's not, and, but not just pad yeah. the numbers. Games are weird at Coors Field. Weird things yeah, so, happen at yes. Coors Field. No, always. Like always like you just you're you're always um you you have to like be ready for anything, I guess, in a way. And like it's it's why you know, the Dodgers are like, "Hey, we're going to carry 16 pitchers to start the season because we start in Coors." And like you know what? I get it. Like it's, it's a weird place. Like 
do what you got to do. Uh, but then, so the funny part about this, so, well, the, the weekend was weird, but I will say this, um, I'll get into this a little bit, but my, the, my weekend regarding these games, like played out as well as I could have hoped in terms of coverage, because I was mostly offline Sunday, which was the best time to be offline in that sort of thing. But so the, the Dodgers, like, you know, they go into the season uh, they trade for, or they sign Freddie Freeman, and then they're like, "Wow, this, you know, this offense looks really, really good." They were already projected for like the most runs scored in Major League Baseball this year um, by Pakoda, and I believe also I don't remember if Fangraphs has runs scored, runs allowed. Maybe Zips what did, and that's what it was. But and then so they tra- they sign Freddie Freeman, so they're better. And then they go into uh, Coors, and they have four extra base hits in three games. <laughs> and, and and the the one home run was by Austin Barnes, which of course everyone guessed. Um, and it was oh, that was a bomb, by the way, four hundred fifty three feet. Um, but the offense was just weird. Like they didn't do like they 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 were like battling or whatever you want to say on Friday opening day. But they scored like five runs in the fourth inning and then not at all the rest of the game, but they still won. The next 30 innings, they scored seven runs. And then like this is into the first game in Minnesota. They, they the, That game was a close game late. And then they scored six runs in the eighth to win that one. So like it's just this weird – It's I mean, it's again, only four games. But it's just – it's a weird distribution of runs so far and not conducive to um, – uh, sort of quelling the uh, the worry warts, as it were. Right. And to be fair, some with decent decent to good reason. <laughs> it's just like it's just funny how it sort of plays out sometimes. So, and you made a, a tweet about this yesterday. The where the production's coming from is also a little unexpected in that it's kind of coming from the bottom of the order. So especially Gavin Lux has looked really good. Yeah, he's he's basically hit eight or nine, eighth or ninth uh, each game. I think, I think. Oh yeah, because Austin Barnes has started a couple games, including. Uh, we're recording this before uh, Wednesday's uh, Wednesday morning in LA uh, series finale. Um, Austin Barnes is catching again today. He's hitting ninth, so Lux is eighth. But Chris Taylor's also been down there, either seventh or eighth. And speaking, and, I was about to say maybe not especially. Gavin Lux is one of definitely the the brighter note, but Chris Taylor also hitting the yeah. the leather he, off the ball. He has, I I believe, uh, three of the either six or seven total extra base hits by the Dodgers so far. <laughs> um, and so yeah, he's he's been really good. Um, both of them have been really good. But so Lux, you know, we talked about this with the the Pollock trade. Um, to get Kimbrel, um, that obviously, you know, de- it sort of depleted a little bit of like the depth in terms of, is this the Dodgers best lineup? You know, um, that kind of a thing. But then it also was a, it made sure that like Gavin Lux has like regular playing time, you know? And, uh, and so far that's been the case. Like he's, he's in the lineup today, uh, at second base. He, that means he will have started all six games, um, five of those have been at second base. The way they're doing this in the early going with Chris Taylor's elbow, they don't want to move him around uh, infield outfield style right now to sort of ease up on the elbow so he doesn't, I believe Dave Roberts has referred to this as they didn't want to change his arm angles a lot right now. 
just basically giving him the same type of a throw each time. Um, so they're keeping him kind of in left field for now, which opens up second base for Gavin Lux. Lux did uh, start in left field one game in Coors. Uh, Chris Taylor did not start that game. They they had Edwin Rios one of the games at DH. Um, but Lux has been really good. Uh, he's 5 for 12. He's leading the team with four RBIs. He had um, a sacrifice fly that he hit like, a, I think it was like 106 miles an hour off the bat that was basically caught at the wall um, yesterday for one of the RBIs. But his 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 average exit velocity, again, four games, take what you will, but 91 and a half miles an hour. Uh, it's been between 87 and uh, 89.8 the last three uh, years in his time during the, in the majors. So he's just, he's just playing generally better. Um, so that's a thing. But like, um, just, I was mentioning the, um, you know, I guess the, I don't know, the, the, he, he was like the, he and Chris Taylor have been like the, the two sort of consistent, um, producers so far. And I think what today, uh, is the sixth game or no fifth game of the season. Um, I can't count. So, uh, yeah. So pretend I said five instead of six, but, um, I will. the only one, only person who hasn't started so far, uh, including today is Hanser Alberto. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, they, they've, Dave Roberts said, like, we're going to have a, essentially a regular lineup and they kind of have so far. So that, that's sort of, sort of how it's played out. So we've talked about overreacting and it's a small sample size. So, uh, go, going into that, is there any area where you do have sort of real concern? Yeah. So like, um, Sunday's game, uh, the Dodgers lost, um, I believe that was nine to four, um, that was a Julio Urias start. Um, and he just hasn't looked very good so far. Like, so the, everyone's sort of pointing to his uh, average velocity on his fastball. It was 91.4 uh, miles an hour on Sunday at Coors. Last year it was 94.1 the whole season. Um, in his last uh, freeway series start on the, the middle game on Monday at Dodger Stadium, he was at 91.6. So you have to like sort of the shortened spring plays into this a little bit. That freeway series was Urias's um, third uh, spring start. You could say the course field start was, was Urias's fourth spring start, although that game counted, which is, of course makes it, you know, more concerning. Um, after I, I asked Dave Roberts after the, um, the freeway series start, like, is there concern? Because both he and Gonsolin, um, who pitched the same night, were in that, like, 91.5 mile an hour range, both well under what they, like, are usually at and usually, you know, effective at. Um, and Robert sort of said, you know, A, spring still. Um, once the regular season comes along, the adrenaline will sort of guide them through. It, it sort of did for Tony Gonsolin, who was at um, – uh, 94 on, on his Saturday start. So like he was, he was pretty good. Um, he was also, uh, down in that, uh, April 4 start, but, um, with Urias, he just didn't get it back yet. And so I guess the thing there is, um, you know, Urias, he last Monday and on Sunday, he said he's, he's healthy and he's just not executing. Um, Roberts, uh, said the same thing. So, I guess you just have to see what happens in their next start. Uh, Urias is going to start Saturday against the Reds. 
but that's sort of where we're at. Um, but so Sunday was the weird game. So the, the Dodgers, um, Friday was close. Saturday was a very close game. I think Connor Joe, uh, for the Rockies hit a home run off Blake Trinan in the eighth to win it. So that, that was another close game. But then Sunday was like the Rockies got up big early and it was just not, not as competitive. And then that was sort of the game where, you know, the, the wolves were out online as it were, but I went, uh, Craig, uh, of questions from Craig fame, Craig Manami, he, um, he actually recapped Sunday's game because I went over to my cousin's house and was hanging out. And, uh, <laughs> that, that was fun because his five-year-old daughter was explaining to us, um, a show she remembered, but she kept saying the name wrong. And she said, diarrhea of a wimpy kid and she kept saying it like over and over again and we were absolutely dying laughing and also thinking we have to make this as an as a real show but no, uh, no. So that sounds gross that, that was that was my concern on sunday rather than uh, urius because uh, i was half-heartedly paying attention rather than fully focused on the game i was uh, recapping but yeah that's that's kind of it. It's, you know, how much can you make out of four games? I don't really know, but uh, that that's sort of... Um, Regardless of the, you know, iffy outcomes so far, oh, it's good to have baseball back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so another uh, weird quirk, I don't remember ever seeing this, um, and it's not even that big of a thing, but it just, I think I texted you about it yesterday. Uh, uh, Joe Davis... Um, did we talk about on the podcast last week how he's going to be um, calling the World Series? I feel like I brought that up at a random random spot. Yeah, that that seems right. But just in case we didn't, he's he's going to be calling the World Series and hit the All Star game from his own Dodger Stadium booth this year. So very cool for him. Very um, well deserved honor. He's he's really good. But during the Dodger game yesterday, um, when they do the you know the intros where they just show like the two announcers with the backdrop of the stadium and all that from the booth. I don't remember ever seeing Joe Davis wear glasses on air, and it and it, and it um, he did like not again not that big of a thing. It's just like whoa! I I looked up. I was like, wait, that's that's new. Uh, so yeah, we we have um, uh, a new uh, Joe Davis has always sort of embraced like um, sort of modern. I I hate the I hate the way analytics is used as a pejorative, but he, he sort of embraced analytics, you know, in a way, and he presents it well to like a general audience. He's very good at that, but he, maybe he's just fully embracing the nerddom of baseball and you just have to, you have to respect it. So I love it. No. Uh, so that, that was a, that was one of those things, but, um, so we're, again, we're recording on a Wednesday, uh, morning, pretty soon here, uh, the finale of this little two game interleague series in Minnesota will, conclude uh clayton kershaw um who's been healthy this spring but the the dodgers sort of pushed him back to the fifth starter role to sort of give him as much of a spring as possible he pitched a simulated game last week so he basically had like five sort of spring starts four real spring games and then one simulated game so as close to a normal spring as he had after sort of an off season of rest after his elbow stuff last year but when he pitches on Wednesday, again, we're recording before that, just to be clear. So if he doesn't pitch, it is not Jacob's fault. Um, <laughs> so, uh, or mine. Um, but 
Uh, this will be know. his. Yeah. This will be his fifteenth season uh, pitching for the Dodgers. That's the second most in franchise history. Of the other four pitchers in the top five uh, in Dodgers tenure, how many can Jacob name? I'll throw some names out. I'm going to guess two will be right, and we'll figure it out after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You want me to name the non-Clayton Kershaw most seasons pitched for the Dodgers? Is that right? Yep. There's so I will tell you so. So Kershaw's at uh, becomes uh, he's he moves into second uh, with 15 years. Uh, there's the top five is everyone um, at 13 years and up. Okay. Uh, what's funny is uh, Don Sutton. Yeah, he's he, so he's yeah. number one. So he he had the um, he had sixteen. He had fifteen straight, like Kershaw does now or will now. Um, and then the straggler when he came back in nineteen eighty eight. Um, what's funny season. about that is I'm I'm writing names down and have been uh, kind of throughout the break and the start of the episode. He was so obvious that I didn't even write him down, and therefore exactly. almost didn't guess him. Yeah, <laughs> that that would have been good. Yep, Kenley Jansen. So Jansen. Had he resigned, okay, would it would have made yeah, it into the I, top you, six? I thought it was thirteen. He, he's at twelve. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah got it. All right, uh, Claude Osteen. Um, I believe, yeah, he is. He's he's at nine. Okay. So, six nineteen sixty five to seventy three. But but also, let's just double check here. He, he it that's a that's a good guess because in those nine years he's still seventh in innings yeah so like he's he was obviously a a stalwart there already uh my i have i have i i played by the three strikes rule so i have one wrong guess don drysdale drysdale is uh currently tied with kershaw until kershaw throws a pitch he's at 14 1956 to 69 I think this is going to be a strike, but I want to get in honor of our uh, Zach Wheat rule. I want to guess guess it anyways. Dazzy Vance. So he he's at twelve. Okay. He just yeah. missed it. <laughs> um, so the the two so Koufax is also at twelve. Just to, uh, Carl yeah. Erskine is at twelve. Um, the two at thirteen are Johnny Padres, who um, yep. Um, Started the first game at Dodger Stadium, which the 60th anniversary was uh, three days ago, um, and then the other is Oral Hershiser. So really, wow, yeah. I'd... So he was at he was at 12, and then left to go to Cleveland, right? 
and then to a San Francisco team, which shall not be named, and then the Mets, and then he came back in 2000. Yeah, I guess I um, have such good memory, not memory, because, you know, I was sure. too young to be paying attention, but, like, knowledge of the non-Dodger years that I, I had kind of written that out as a as a guess. So, cool. That good to know. Good to know. The the other milestone, and I'm sure we'll, we'll be talking about this at some point, um, for Kershaw is, so he's at... 2,670 strikeouts. It's going right to happen now. today, and, right? Yeah, he could. He if he <laughs> go, he doesn't. He doesn't even have to go complete game because there could be a lot of pass balls. But um, he's 26 away from tying Don Sutton for the most uh, strikeouts in Dodgers history. So that's going to happen at some point, uh, and probably sometime sometime soon. Yeah, he saw uh, Sazaki's perfect game and thought, you know what? Oh <laughs> I t- yeah, I take this personally. I'm gonna, I'm gonna one up it. That happened. Um, I, I, th- it's like at such a late point Saturday, like in, like well past midnight. And I was, the I was actually, Saturday. I think up and because oh. uh, for uh, listeners unaware, uh, NPB pitcher, Japanese league pitcher, uh, Roki Sazaki. Hit, like struck out 19 in a perfect game and th- at one point through I think it was 13 strikeouts in a row. Yeah, yeah. And I was in the middle of following just the strikeouts in a row, not realizing oh it was also a perfect game. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, the, that's one of those amazing things because I, I I didn't see it till the next morning, but it was a cool thing to wake up to just to see everyone start talking about it. Um, but so 19 strikeouts, <laughs> including 13 in a row, perfect game, great. Obviously, first. NPB perfect game in 28 years, but I believe he he threw 105 pitches. Like yeah, that's impossible. Yeah, like, Maddox. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for, for he's that only many he's only his 20. His catcher is 18. <laughs> oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. I didn't know the catcher part. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Unreal. And yeah, so uh, you you he, never know when when baseball is going to happen. Is, is basically the the point there. You future just always pay attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, like they, they should try to figure out how to sort of get him by July, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they can. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. All right, who you got for our Dodgers rewind? Okay, so the Dodgers are playing the Twins. Um, so decided to go with uh, Ken Landro. Um, so he, he's funny because he's sort of um, he's like he does like community relations stuff for the Dodgers now, and he's. He's like not not always, but just he's one of those guys you sort of occasionally just see like wandering around the stadium, and it's just fun because you can just sort of pick his brain on stuff because he was around in the eighties and, and things. But so he he uh, played high school at Dominguez in, in Compton. Um, he went to ASU and was drafted by the Angels. Uh, he was part of a four for one trade uh, by the Angels to the Twins uh, to get Rod Carew before the nineteen seventy nine season. Uh, part of that deal that went along with Landro uh, to Minnesota was Brad Havens, a pitcher who was later on the 1988 Dodgers, um, which is notable. Um, then in 1980 with the Twins, Ken Landro had a 31-game hitting streak. He made his lone all-star team that year. He hit 392 uh, during the streak. It was in April and May. The streak also included one game in between. Now, it doesn't count as a game in the streak, but... He played the last inning on defense, but also he pinch hit before that, but he was walked. And because um, streaks can continue in situations like that. Uh, so that was, he already had 11 games on the streak and then added 20 more after that. Um, in the Dodgers acquired him 
right before the 1981 season. And when I say right before, it was 10 days before opening day. It's like, I know Paul, the Dodgers traded Pollock for Kimbrel, right? Like a few days before opening mm-hmm. day. Those don't happen a lot. I think, I remember they got like, they traded like Milton Bradley. And yeah. and I, I, I think they traded for Milton Bradley. And I want to say Jason Worth within like a week of opening day in 04. That was kind of a weird thing. It's always weird to see late spring transactions like that in, in, for players who are like essentially who come in to start. You could, you could see it for like fringe guys maybe, but not necessarily um, starters. But So this was 1981. Uh, it was a three-for-one deal. Going to um, Minnesota in that deal from the Dodgers was another future 1988 Dodger, Mickey Hatcher. Um, so... Uh, Lander was essentially like the Dodgers starting center fielder for the next five seasons and also for a good chunk of 86 in those five years from 81 to 85, he had a 103 OPS plus he averaged 20 doubles and 11 homers and 21 steals. Uh, his, he had uh, about 1.6 war per year in that time, but you have to also remember that 81 was strike shortened. So tilt that upwards, maybe just a tad. Um, he played through the end of 1987 um, he had 10.3 career war, uh, 8.5 of that was with the Dodgers. He had a 99 OPS plus, uh, in 11 years in, in the majors, um, after, uh, the 1987 season. So, um, Fred Clare was, uh, elevated to GM earlier that year after the Al Campanis interview on Nightline. It was very, very unfortunate. Um, but, um, Fred Clare, as you might recall, had a very busy offseason in uh, the 87 into 88 and made some very substantial moves. But at some point in October, um, they cut or they said they weren't going to re-sign basically uh, Ken Landro and Phil Garner. Landro was making uh, the year before he made $737,500, which was one of the highest paid players on the team. I believe Hershiser and Valenzuela were making more and Guerrero, I guess. Um, Phil Gardner was at 450000 This is from the LA Times from Fred Clare. Ken was a key figure during the championship seasons of 81, 83, and 85. He's he's saying the NL West winning years. Obviously, they won the World Series in 81. But And all of us appreciate the role he played on those teams. We wish Phil and Ken the very best. So he's one of those. It's just a weird thing to sort of <laughs> officially say, we're out on these guys, you know, like when someone becomes a free agent or whatever. Um he actually played, uh, Lando did, he played with, in the minors with the Orioles in 88 and AAA. He came back to the Dodgers in 89, but only played in AAA Albuquerque, and then he retired. Um, he, like I said, he's been in community relations with the team for a while and just sort of still around, which is, it's always a cool thing to sort of see former Dodgers just sort of being still in the organization, sort of keeping the, the link to the past alive. It's always good. Now, he... Um, Ken Landro caught the final out of the 1981 World Series in center field in Game 6 in Yankee Stadium. My question to you, Jacob, who recorded the final outs for the Dodgers in their two World Series championships after Landro in 81? So the thing I hate about questions about 88 is that from someone like me, you know, it was two when it occurred, sure, didn't become sure. a Dodger fan until much later, is that it's so, the history is so dominated by Game 1 that I know oh, so yeah. little. <laughs> I know uh, Oral started game two. I know that. 
and that's about How it. How was that game too? I, I, I knew that, that too. I knew that too. Yeah. And I, you know, and there's a handful of names I can, I can name, but I like, uh, where, where did they play? It's sort of, so I'll, I, I, I will, will, I will give you a hint for 88 since we're on there. Oral also started game five. I, and so, he finished game five. Yeah. 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 So he, I, I'm almost sad you gave me the hint. So, uh, we'll get, uh, Urias and Austin Barnes out of the way. Okay. That um, is, uh, that's correct for 2020. Uh, and then my guess Thomas. was going to be Oral and Sosha. Okay, so you were on the right track. Yep. Except um, Sosha hurt his knee. That's right. I was about. To, I was just about to correct myself <laughs> to the to the point where they had like uh, I think Gilberto Reyes at the ready, and they were going to replace Sosha on the roster had the series continued. Um, but instead, he was pitching to uh, backup. Uh, extraordinaire that year, Rick Dempsey, uh, who I believe was is an age, age forty season. Um, in our notes, I the links that have the answers are just pictures of celebrations of the final outing. If you didn't, if you didn't click on them, but uh, I, I would I'll, never. I'll I those. would never. And no, I, I mean after guessed. the fact. Oh, I mean, <laughs> but I, I'll yeah, I'll include um, I'll include those in the uh, in the show notes because they're Great. fun. You know what else is fun? I do. It's time for questions from Craig. Five plus questions from our friend Craig Manami. You ready for the the trivia portion? I am. Let's do it. I have to do better than last week. I know that. You. Uh, that said, I hope I hope these are. I hope you do well. I, I the two questions this week I liked. I liked a lot. Challenging, but also I didn't feel totally embarrassed. Right. This week, they were, Dodgers, they were winnable uh, questions. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, this week, Dodgers will honor both Jackie Robinson on the 75th anniversary of his first Major League Baseball game, and Maury Wills with his own bobblehead night. Both Robinson and Wills were known for stealing bases, so this week's trivia questions will be about the art of taking bases as a Dodger. All right, you ready? I like that Craig said taking bases. That's, that's <laughs> uh, it, I've mentioned this before. It's one of my favorite part of questions, Craig, is the synonyms Craig has to look up when he <laughs> writes these trivia right. questions. No, it, it, he, he, he does a great job. We don't appreciate him enough. According to the two, two wow. <laughs> <Talk about. laughs> According to the 2022 Dodger Media Guide, six Dodgers since 1947 have led the National League in stolen bases at least once. One of them, Trey Turner, did it as both a Dodger and a National in 2021. Can Eric name the other five? So, as someone who who generally, not always, because you sometimes do it, but my general rule on Craig's questions is I just, I cut and paste them into our notes. So we just have them in one spot, you know, as we're recording. I try not to look at them, although that's very hard to do sometimes, other than just to get make sure it's like, formatted properly or whatever i do occasionally glance and all i saw on this was um six dodgers since 1947 i've led the nl in base i didn't even see the next sentence about trey turner and my, my first thought was well trey turner's one, <laughs> get that one. But automatically cut down in my prime um okay so 1947 um so we got um maury wills yep i want to say he I don't know if Craig put this in there. I think he led the league six times. Uh, he but, did. Uh, I ha- yeah, I have the I have the individual yeah. seasons. I believe ready. it was six in a row, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it was sixty through sixty-five. So and then um, Davy Lopes. 
how many times do you do it? Oh man, <laughs> so these are bonuses. Know. I won't. I won't. Okay, so I think he only did it twice. Correct, seventy-five yeah. and seventy-six. Um, and then, oh man. Okay, so there's three more. <laughs> there, there is. Okay, so the fifties generally. Not a lot of steals in the fifties. Um, so I'm gonna go back. I am. Gonna, I'm gonna just say go back for a second and say Jackie Robinson. Yep, forty-seven and forty-nine. Okay, I did not realize he did it twice. Um, all right, so two more, and this is gonna be tough. Um, oh wait, uh, D Gordon. Yep, two thousand fourteen. Strange Gordon. Yeah. Um. And oh my God! Okay, what? Uh, and then Juan Pierre? Nope. He didn't do it. Oh, jeez, Brett Butler? Nope. Rafael for call? Nope. All right. Well, I, I I'm gonna give I, you a. I'll give you a season. I'll give you a season. 1952. Oh, then I guess Jim Gilliam. Nope. <laughs> Another Wait, an actual 15. Hall of Famer. Pee Wee? Yep, Pee Wee Reese with 30. I would, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was staring at the name, I'm like, I don't think he's ever going to guess Pee-wee Reese, and <laughs> yeah. it, despite, you know, how well-known the name is. You would you would think with a name like Pee-wee, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would just assume he has to be fast, like, but, and then I just never, wow, I, that's a surprise, I, I like that. Since 1968, Dodgers have stolen at least 30 bases at least three times. Who are those Dodgers? Hint, the last three, all of whom stole 30 or more bases at least three times, did it well. Into the Jacob era, which Ooh. really should become an official baseball term. <laughs> um, okay, so since nineteen sixty, I'm just going to reiterate that. Okay, um, so Raul Mondesi as the first two members of the thirty thirty club for the Dodgers. Um, he, he's, I think, he's one. Nope, um, he only did it. He's twice. not one. He only did it twice. What a jerk! <laughs> what an absolute jerk! Um, okay, so let's just let's just go. Um, uh, so Maury Wills, yep. Um, Davey Lopes, yep. Each Steve did it Sachs. seven times. Uh, each did seven times. Steve Six, Steve Lap, Steve Sachs did it six times. You're in order Steve so far. Six. Yeah. Um, and then uh, okay, so Steve then, then deal, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, sells seashores by the seashores or what? Anyway, um, uh, Brett Butler I did it three times. Uh, all right, so we're at oh man. Um, okay, now we got to think about this. Um, he didn't. Um, okay, so you're missing four see. names, just to let you know. Missing four. Okay. Um, now, what's mm, Juan Pierre? <laughs> yes. Sorry. Oh seven oh nine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What? I'm reading ahead to, we mentioned Craig's thesaurus action. He's got a great one for the next question. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, let's just think about this for a second. Um, so when they traded D. Um, You're missing two players with three seasons and one player with four seasons. Four seasons. Um, like a hotel. Um, mm, 
who am I missing with four? Um, so it's probably, uh, probably, oh, uh, Willie Davis. Yep. With, um, four between 62 and 70. Don't have the exact seasons, but yeah. Um, and then the other two, see, I, I just, I didn't think, I didn't think, um, like Matt Kemp got to it three times, so that's why I'm not saying him. Um, but you consider <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. So I know he had the forty steal, two thousand eleven. Um, yeah. So Matt Kemp's uh, one. Uh, he had eight and nine as well. Wait, what? Two thousand eight and two thousand nine. He ah, had, gotcha. had okay. The, yeah. So I am blanking on the other one. Do you have years? Uh, yes. Uh. Uh, 2002 to 2004. See? Oh. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. This is... Oh, now this is bad. Um, he is the most famous steal of anyone on this list. Yeah, of course. I I'm. I should have had this earlier, but it's Dave Roberts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn it. <clears throat> nice one. Nice one, Craig. Uh, since 1900, six players in their Dodger careers stole over 100 bases and hit over 100 home runs. Who are these players who had winged feet and thunder in their bats? <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so, uh, Matt Kemp for sure. Um, yep, with 170 stolen bases and 203 home runs. Damn. Um, since, oh, since 1900. So, um, let's go to... Um, Duke Snyder? No. Didn't get to 100 steals. Um, Jackie Robinson? Jackie with 197 stolen bases and 137 home runs. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> oh, boy. Um. So, wow, I don't think he got to 100 steals. Um, this is me. Angry. Um, <laughs> um, let's go back to the Mondesi well. Yep. Of 104. <laughs> wow, I can't say numbers today. 140 <laughs> stolen bases, 163 home runs. Um, okay. And then I don't even, th- I, I'm just going to say it just maybe, but I don't. I don't think he would have got to this, but Pedro Guerrero? Nope. Okay. Huh. Um, I'm going to give you the steal totals for the three remaining players as you've gotten in the bottom three. So 335, 232, 203. The 335 is worrisome. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Let's... Let's think this through here. Um, wait, okay. So did Willie Davis do it? He did. 154 home runs to go with the 335 steals. Yeah. And then what was the other one? 230-something and two... 232. Uh, largely a uh, longevity. Like, wow. I'm giving up. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> just, 
he played for the Dodgers for a long time. How about that? Yeah. Um, but I do. <laughs> this is so dumb. Okay. I'm just going to say, because I don't think this is true, but just because I'm tapped out, but Bill yep. Russell. Nope. So you're, I'm striking you out. Pee Wee yep, Reese. Of course, I I, 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 had, I had shut off the Brooklyn part. Oh, and I'll, uh, I'll actually give you one more hit, and I think you'll get it. Uh, the, the remaining name since nineteen hundred, nineteen hundred. Oh, so go that wait. far back. <laughs> oh, Zach Wheat. There you go. <laughs> I don't. I didn't remember him getting to one hundred home runs. One hundred thirty-one home runs. Very Occasionally, nice. the last question: A player will get caught trying to steal. Since 1940, name the eight Dodgers who have been caught God. at least 75 <laughs> times as a Dodger. So I remember uh, so famously because I, I didn't know or care at the time. Brett Butler in 1991 stole 38 bases, but he was caught 28 times. <laughs> so I, I'm going to definitely say him. Yeah. Yep. He is on um, this list. Uh, it, so, you, your hint is that everyone has already been mentioned, has been an answer already, except for one player. Okay, so the other thing is, um, so Maury Wills and, and Davey Lopes had tremendous success rates, but also such a high volume that I'm pretty sure they're both there too. Yep, Maury Wills leads the list with 171, and then Davey Lopes had 85. Yeah, okay, so so then 75. Um, so Willie Davis? Uh, yes, with 116. Um, I'm still four shy. Dear God. Um. Uh, oh, so um, Pee Wee Reese. Yep, ninety nine. Maybe that's why he um, retired. I can't can't get to hundred. Yeah, it's like uh, didn't didn't Maddox retire with like nine hundred and ninety nine walks or something? <laughs> I thought that was great. Um. So what about Matt Kemp? Nope. Um. <laughs> it would be amazing if Yasiel Puig was on here uh, in this <laughs> very short time. Um, so the long thing. Um, let's go. I'm going to go back to Bill Russell, actually, as the as the one guy who wasn't on here. It is not. I'll let you know it is a name you've guessed today. Yeah, but. This, you've guessed about half the right. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, let's see. Um, oof. So I don't think he got to. He didn't have the three thirty years. Um, uh, what so you're missing about, three names. Oh, Steve Sachs. Steve Sachs. Yep, with one hundred and twenty-six. So you're missing um, two names. Okay, I'm. I'm going to tap out unless you want to hit me up. J- Jackie just makes the list at seventy-six. Hmm. And then the the name not previous mentioned, Jim Gilliam, with one hundred and eleven. Ah, nice. Okay, All right. Good job. In 2020, the number nine spot in Dodger lineup had a 761 OPS, which through 2021 is far and away the highest in LA Dodger history. That actually tripped me. I forgot I had that. I thought he had said 2021, and I was like, oh my gosh. How, yeah. how Dodgers pitchers rake? In <laughs> uh, that same season, the Dodgers, who combined to be uh, the full-time DH, had a 786 OPS for the Dodgers. Do you think that in the end, the Dodgers who combine at DH will have a higher OPS than those who hit in the ninth spot? Ooh, that's interesting. Mm. Knowing that there could be some overlap, he adds. Sure. Um, 
this is how National League brain I have. I was like, aren't those the same thing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. So yeah, no, that's I, I not think, how it works. <laughs> well, I just think it's it's generally you're probably going to have the DH be higher because even like the nine spot is not – it's not always, quote, unquote, your worst hitter. Right. But it's generally one of the worst hitters. And it's like Austin Barnes is going to – basically be the nine hitter every time he catches almost or like um it's like the occasional Hanser alberto start or something like they literally only have 12 position players right now so like they're they have really run a um a very short bench so like now obviously gavin lux could just keep continuing to rake and like produce there but i i think the dh will end up being higher than the nine spot, but I think both will be. I mean, I don't know about the Dodgers DH spot being like best in baseball, but they have a good shot of having like the best number nine OPS in baseball if that's a thing. So it'll be interesting to check at the end of the season. Yep. As Eric has pointed out, more teams are acknowledging co- uh, contract terms themselves in their announcements this season than ever before. And now that has extended to talking about unsuccessful negotiations in the Aaron Judge extension. It seems like it was more important for Cashman to get out of front of the narrative that the Yankees are not spending money like the Dodgers and Mets for the fan base than outline a vision for their 2022 and beyond team build. What do you think? Yeah, I think that was, I was surprised at that. Like, so just as background, like um, very rare for, or it has been rare for teams to like acknowledge the, the money always gets out anyway. And so I think there's some like sort of, recognition that transparency is probably better um the braves are publicly traded and they always announce their dollar figures in their little um sort of announcements like we signed kenley jansen to a one-year 16 million dollar deal the the blue jays have been doing this for a few years um the white Sox also announced money in their deals um the angels started doing that there's a common theme here like anthopolis was in toronto he's in atlanta now, um, um, Perry Manazian was with Anthopolis, uh, before now he's with the angels. The angels announced money and their stuff. Um, the Dodgers, I believe are going to start doing this, although they've only done it once because there's only been one sort of opportunity for them to do so since is the Hanser Alberto contract, like in the, like sort of uh, announcement, they're like, we signed Hanser Alberto to a $1.6 million contract plus a $2 million option for next year with a $250,000 buyout. And I, I saw that and I was staring at it and I'm like, they just did the thing. And like, you know, like, cause they're generally tight lipped about that kind of stuff. Just, you know, on the record or whatever. So that was a surprise, but I will say this. So the, the judge thing is different because like you said, Cashman um, during like a, a press conference with reporters, like said the what the Yankees offer was to judge the judge turned down and that never happens so I think that was very clearly um an attempt by the Yankees to turn fan sentiment against judge and not um them right like to take the heat off of them for not being able to resign their sort of superstar player now there's there's a couple ways to think about this. Um, there's been a couple good articles written about this. I will link to them. I believe Andy McCullough and Ken Rosenthal co-wrote one for the Athletic, basically that um, Aaron Judge like has the hammer right now, and you 
I believe there's a quote from Max Scherzer in there saying you, you very rarely get the hammer and when you have it, you have to use it. And he's using it um, now to sort of get uh, what he thinks uh, he deserves. I'm, I'm of two minds about this. Like, I think, yes, it's very obvious the Yankees should resign um, Aaron Judge. He's not he's not Mookie Betts, right? Like, from a couple years ago with the Red Sox. But he's, he's close enough to that where the Yankees really would be foolish if they let him get away. Um, at the same time, he's also very injury prone. And... The Cashman's offer, I believe, um, it's it was their arbitration number for this year, so like seventeen million plus um, thirty and a half million for the next seven years. Like that is a pretty reasonable offer, and then the fact that Aaron Judge has been very injury prone, like you almost you could see, like he probably should or might. <laughs> take that but I can sort of see where he doesn't because you know they can offer that on the free market too and then he can get other offers and then get a higher number or whatever so he's sort of betting that he's going to be healthy enough this year to get that kind of a deal so I, I completely see it from his standpoint but I I was sort of surprised by that but it's very clearly that the the Yankees are trying to limit the um the backlash to them and at least put it out there to sort of turn the tide in their favor in the PR battle. But in the end, it doesn't, you, you still have to sign them. Like, like, you know, they're, um, so like, I don't know if it was worth it, you know, to, to sort of like poison the well like that. Maybe, maybe he see, he's going to see that as like a, not bad faith, but just like, come on, man, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, don't, don't air dirty laundry or whatever. Um, and let's just get a deal done or whatever. But yeah, so he's made it pretty clear that they don't want to, he doesn't want to like talk during the season. That's why it was, it sort of came up last week. Like if we don't get a deal done before the season, I'm just going to go to free agency. And that looks like that's what's going to happen. I wonder how much of the lockout negotiations influenced this either directly. I doubt it. That would have come up by now. Um, but in like, so much of the lockout period was about the control of information. Clearly, both sides leaking certain information to the press to make their light, you know, them appear in a better light. And, and the Yankees move here is just kind of straight out of that playbook. Uh, they knew oh, the yeah. offer looked good, so leak the offer. But, you know, we don't we weren't in the negotiations. We don't know why necessarily Judge turned it down. You know, we can take guesses, but eh, curious. It wasn't like the... Um a couple years ago or maybe it was last year I don't remember with the Astros with Correa they offered him something like five years 150 million which is like reasonable but also like you know he's going to get like a longer deal that was like the the a very clear public we tried but we know mm -hmm. it's not going to work <laughs> offer I think the Yankees at least had an offer that was reasonable um but again you can totally see why why um Judge wouldn't take it. I forgot another weird aspect of this is because of the late um, spring and the, um, so the players who didn't come to agreement on arbitration, like their arbitration hearings are going to be like in, in late May and in June. So they're like playing this season technically without a set salary. I believe uh, this happened in 95 as well. Um, John Becker at Fangraphs, I looked this up and I uh, – uh, I think they what they did that year was so you the player is paid for now at what the team offered which the lower number and then if in arbitration it becomes a higher salary they get like made whole up to that point 
in the season and then going forward. But it's just like this very bizarre thing. Like you sort of have a salary, but it's like, eh, we'll figure it out at some point. But like for now, you still have to play. But uh, yeah, who knows? Given it has only been four games, and this could be obvious, but watching the DH version of the game is different in so many ways than one I have watched for baseball for all my baseball viewing life. It appears that one of the challenges will be finding time for your bench, especially given the talent level of the Dodgers' current and potential depth of their regular lineup. Do you think starting uh, next homestand, we'll start to see some sense of um, <clears throat> giving even players like Blet- Betts, Freeman, and Trey Turner a complete day off? And how much of that is difficult given the small bench? Yeah, so it is very weird. Um, so we're going into this Wednesday morning. I had so right now, Hanser Alberto has has played in one game and batted once. He he played late on Sunday. Given how they've sort of treated Coors Field in the past, um, last year they started with four games there and they gave like I believe every regular but Bellinger a day off uh, in the, from the lineup. Um, at some point during that series, just to not want to overload them. I would have guessed Alberto would have started one of the games at Coors, like the Sunday game. Um, but outside of uh, Austin Barnes, who's now um, will have caught two of the games, and Will Smith did not DH in either one of them, um, they've had Rios DH once, and then um, Alberto play once, and then Barnes catch twice. So, it's been basically the regulars so far, but you, so you have a spot now where they, they come back home, home openers Thursday, they play seven straight games at home. So that's nine straight days with a game. So I think you'll start to see, um, probably like a little more Alberto, a little more Rios mixed in with the, with the consecutive day stuff, like giving like Justin Turner an actual day off instead of, um, he's DH'd a couple times. Um, you might see the same with, with Taylor, who's already gotten one day off, but you, you, you can sort of see, I think that's where it would come in, but it is, it's definitely weird. Um, it, it's just, you know, cause there's no, um, you know, you're not pinch hitting for a starter. And then when you take your pitcher out, it's not, you don't really have to double switch. So there's really not double switching, you know, unless it's some weird thing. So you're, you're really just, it's almost, um, your bench is almost, do I want this guy for a platoon advantage at some right. point late? And that, and that's kind of it, but yeah, so it, it is going to be kind of weird, but um, I'm not sure. I, I think in the next week or so, you'll, you'll see a little bit more of the um, offhand bench start for, for Rios and Alberto. But as of right now, those are the only outside of Barnes, you know, those are the only two that like you have to mix in. Cause it's just a, it's just a tiny bench right now. So it's, it, it is very weird. I think adding to that is they definitely don't have as much outfield flexibility as they they have in years past. Right. And they also haven't had over especially over the last two years the players that were such obvious platoon changes have all left, <laughs> right? Uh, with, with Kike, with Jock, uh, with uh, Pollock, that all like oh the handiest the pitcher really dictated when you expected them to see the lineup are, aren't there anymore. There's still you know, obviously some some chances of of doing that th- this season going back to the question in general it, the thing that's influenced me is how much as a national league you know watcher and i remember going through this in 2020 i've pinned the 
when is the starting pitcher coming out to, well, where are they in the lineup? Um, yeah. and, and how much that would influence whether or not you tried to get another inning out of a guy or, or, or maybe it'll take him out a little early because of that. And I found myself doing it uh, in the series and cores like, oh, it's the back end of the lineup. This might be the time to, to bring a bench bat up. Oh, right. That's, that's not going to happen. Right. And then, um, I would say what you might see, at least from a platoon side is, um, depending on how like Cody Ballinger does, cause everyone seems to be sort of watching him. He had a couple hits on Sunday, but for the most part, hasn't done a ton at the plate. So you could see a, a situation maybe, um, later in April or possibly into May where it gets to a point where they do pinch hit for him, uh, later with like a right-handed bat, which they don't necessarily have at the moment. Um, but like you said, it's, it's outfield depth. So that, that might be an issue where, that's when they you could see like a Kevin Pilar um, coming up, whether it's after they expand the or um, go back to the 13 pitcher maximum on May 2nd. So you have to have another bench player or before then, if they just decide to have um, 13 position players um, instead of 12. Uh, so you you would expect to see maybe someone like that who who they be willing to um go to to like pinch hit for Bellinger. Um, you, you could still do that with like Hanser Alberto. If, if like Gavin Lux is at second, then you move Taylor to center and Lux to left or something like that. You, you could do that now, but um, it, it, you know, they are a little bit limited in that regard. Snacking on something sweet is not my first thought when I go to Dodger stadium, though I did get the occasional cookie and frozen yogurt. If I was covering the game in the press box. That said, if your sweet tooth was wanting, do you think you would lean more towards the cold treat world, ice cream, frozen yogurt, frozen lemonade, or the sweet salty area like a churro or Wetzel's pretzels, maybe uh, caramel corn? Perhaps we should all wait for a bag of Eric's Chex Mix. Okay, so this is just at the game? Uh, I think hmm. I think that's what he's going for, yeah. So growing up, uh, like the um, – what was the – like the – was it just? Was they did they just call it a malt? Um, that sounds the little right. block of chocolate yeah, ice cream carnage, that you had a wooden yeah, spoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was I was never a huge chocolate guy, and that always seemed like overkill to me. So that wasn't really my thing. I did like the, if I remember right, I can't remember how often I got this, but didn't they have like a helmet with like some sort of ice cream, like a yeah, soft serve type thing? Of course. Um, that seemed like a like a lavish treat that would have, that was very rare. Um, I will say now I am more likely now to probably go for actually like the Wetzel's pretzels type thing. Um, uh, but the soft serve is nice. So they have, um, uh, soft serve in the, in the press box usually. Um, but it they have, it's usually choc or vanilla and then chocolate and then the middle is the swirl. Sure. Which is fine. Very occasionally they will have vanilla and strawberry, which is my jam. And uh, if they have that, I will pounce. But other than that, um, maybe a cookie, um, but most likely like uh, from stuff that's in the concessions. Wetzel pretzel um, sort of satisfies that itch for me. Uh, this is pretty straightforward for me. Day game, something cold, 
night game, something else. Uh, oh, yeah. Even nice. if it's candy or something like that. Although I'm definitely much more at night game going to seek out something, just, you know, like a Dodger dog, something more savory. Um, less likely to go go into the sweet stuff, but during a day game, uh, either the frozen frozen lemonade probably my top. But I oh, am a big fan lemonade. of the chocolate malt. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the minute made frozen lemonade thing also usually served with a wooden spoon. Big big fan. I, I don't think they do this anymore. Um, the all you can eat. Um, I don't I don't remember if they still do the all you can eat right field pavilion. But one of the things there was like that. Your sort of standard, um, like very generic uh, ice cream sandwich. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. That that was a nice little uh, pick me up for a, for a, an in game treat. Um, I'm trying to think too. Uh, I will. Oh, so I'm not a coffee drinker generally, to the point where I might have like if it's some late game is just dragging or something. I more want to get like a Coke Zero or something mm-hmm. for the caffeine boost, but. Um, there's been times like we're talking like maybe two times per season. I might have coffee. Like I literally haven't drank coffee this year so far. Um, but sometimes the, um, in the press box, I will go and get like a hot chocolate if it's like a cold night or something. Uh, Um, if if you were at the game in uh, Minnesota yesterday, I think that might've been a coffee night (laughs) cold enough. You need the game. Talk about dragging 88 Uh, minute rain delay in the eighth. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. That would have been, I definitely would have had coffee if I was in Minnesota, especially in that rain. Like just as a, as a, you you need like a, like a warm, uh, not pick me up is not, I guess it would be a pick me up at that point. Cause you're like, I need to stay awake <laughs> because I'm podcasting in the morning, but no. Um, yeah. So that's uh, sort of where we're at. We, um, our very, our very measured reaction to the Dodgers four game start. And, uh, we'll keep watching and we'll talk about, uh, next week after they play a couple home games and we'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.